0: One of the things Paul, we know, was not ashamed of was to preach the gospel. Despite what people thought of Paul, Paul preached the gospel more. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if you have a past and people remember your past and then you are preaching the gospel or you're uh, teaching them or you profess Jesus Christ and they know your past, they, they could so doubt. They could have doubt about what you're saying, about what, you know, how authentic you are, how real you are. But we see Paul punch through that facade. It didn't let him slow him down. Uh, He even proved more and more that his life was about Christ. And so we see that when it comes to the gospel, you could be in the face of opposition, not just hate, but there could be doubt. There could be people who knew you and, uh, you know like I was thinking of the one who ha- recommitted her life. Uh, you know, there's people even last week you could have bumped into that were, you saw you sinning or you uh, pretending to enjoy it or whatever, and now you've recommitted your life to Christ. And so there's there's are doubters out there. There's mockers. But Paul, in the face of all that adversity, whatever it was, he pressed forward because one of the things he knew about the gospel was it is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, God gave Paul a command to go preach unto the Gentiles. And so Paul took that, obeyed that command, and he said, this is what God has given me to worry about, so this is all I'm going to worry about, and I'm going to go preach the truth, the love of Jesus, repent, believe, and be saved, and all the other things that happen, the fallout or consequence or anything like that, uh, that's in the Lord's control. It's, it's not in my control. So, what is in my control is obey the, the command the Lord's given me. So, he punched through with the gospel and he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Now, that brings us to the topic today. Um, it, hopefully, I can get through them quickly. We can finish this topic. I took a lot of the notes from C.D. Cole about this. Um, there are things that are going to be obvious to, to us that we won't have to stay a long time on. But there are a couple points about the gospel that I want to spend a little bit longer on. Um, what is the gospel? Now, the scripture makes it very clear what the gospel is to us. You don't have to uh, search the scriptures or you don't have to connect this with this and then make a match. You know, it's, it's not obscure. We, we have a clear understanding from the scripture what the gospel is. But yet, let's go through and amplify. Uh, Let's go through and figure out what the gospel is not. Um, First. Okay, first, the the gospel is not the Bible. The Bible contains the gospel. um, But it contains it. It contains truth. But it does; it is not the gospel itself. Um, during the funeral on uh, this past Wednesday, I was p- presenting the gospel. And I think my words even said the gospel. And then I suddenly remembered this is a different atmosphere. A lot of people misconceive what the gospel really is. Um, they either put too little or too much into it. And not a lot of people have a correct understanding of what exactly the gospel is. The gospel in of itself does not have power. Okay. It is the God's power unto salvation to them who believe it, the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when it comes to, when you express the gospel, it is very good for us to be clear. The gospel is the good news of Christ. The gospel is the good news that God has provided his righteousness and the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, punished him uh, via the law, the the law that is saying Philip Jeffries must die and must be punished because that is God's standards. Those are his statutes that the soul that sins must die. And so the good news is, is that I do not have to die that death, that Jesus has died in my place and took my punishment upon him. And so that's the good news. The good news, uh, another thing that the gospel is, you can always tell a gospel message does the here's the acid test. Does the message declare the goodness of God and the evil of men? That's a gospel message. You must say you must include evil men before you can give them the good news. So um, when we talk about the gospel, we know the Bible itself is not the gospel. It contains the truth. A lot of people will mistake that the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is gospel. But we have many, many beautiful Old Testament scriptures that preach the gospel about the lamb. Uh, where Philip, you know, in the Ethiopian eunuch, where did he open up to? He opened up to Isaiah and preached to him the gospel out of Isaiah so that is, it, that's not a cut and dry thing. You can see the gospel in the Old Testament. You can see the law in the New Testament. It, so you can't say the, the Old Testament's just law and the New Testament's just the gospel. Um, the whole Bible should be read and understood. And especially those who are saved, we should always see the Old Testament as we read the Old Testament. I don't know if you're planning on doing the read the Bible in a year, but as you're reading the Old Testament, read it in light of the New. Read it in the light of what Christ has done, what Christ has accomplished. Read it in the light of, am I, I'm reading about a symbol or a picture that's something that's pointing to Christ. Or I'm reading, yet again, about the failure of man, about how they cannot measure up to God in the righteousness. And then how God's good news is the solution to that, that he has provided us the righteousness that he requires himself. Because we cannot keep the law. Look how many times we fail. Even the people who love God fail and we see David fail. And so uh, we also see that, you know, in the Bible, the how Abraham was saved. It wasn't by works. There wasn't a system of where it never was about works. It never was about uh, being raised in the, the pedigree of, of the Abraham's kids in the Old Testament in Israel. It wasn't about the physical promises. Now, the physical promises were advantages But they were not the spiritual promises. The spiritual promises that God made to Abraham was a one-way covenant. It was a one-way promise. Uh, God says, I'm going to do this for you. And what did Abraham do? Abraham just said, I believe. What you say you're going to do is what you're going to do. So there was no uh, string attached for Abraham. Abraham just believed it and received it. And God imputed it to him for righteousness. How glorious is that? Isn't that great news? That Abraham didn't have to, to I don't know, run a two-minute mile <laughs> or, or do this obstacle course or go over here and do this or do that? And uh, No. We know that the Bible is not the gospel, but we read the Bible in the mindset of the gospel. Um, also notice, excuse me. Oh. I want to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I better I better put my foot on the gas here. Uh, baptism. All right, I'm gonna go over these quick. Baptism is not the gospel. Uh, Paul made a very very distinction in 1 Corinthians. One seven. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So the gospel is not baptism. The gospel, uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper, is not saving. It doesn't produce salvation. Thank thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Can can I keep this? All right, thank you. Um, Salvation, or uh, the baptism in the Lord's Supper does not produce salvation, it proclaims salvation. That's the only... A thing that it's supposed to do, the church is not the gospel. Um, those who have joined the church should be saved. You believe the gospel before you become a member. You don't become a member of a church to believe the gospel. You join a church because you have believed the gospel. Um, you um, and honestly. Uh, and this is kind of a side note, and I promise I won't spend too long on there, but I got to thinking, you know, the command to be baptized is the second of the Lord's commands. The first is a repent and believe. That's the first command. The second is to be baptized. And don't just be baptized anywhere. Be baptized in one of the Lord's churches. And I got to thinking about that, and as we leave you know this generation or what what do we want to teach our children how do we want to teach our children we want to make sure that we instill to them that not every church is the lord's church out there and that we need to be a member of the lord's church not every baptist church not every church that has baptists on the door is one of the lord's churches so how do you know which one of the lord's churches or which one of the churches you're going to go to are the lord's churches Well, you're going to see evidences. You're you're going to see uh, the truth practiced and taught. The truth of the word of God. You're going to see scriptural baptism. You're going to see the Lord's Supper. Do they do do closed communion? I kind of thought of it as an I-Spy game. You know what the I-Spy game is? Uh, We don't usually play it. It kind of annoys me in the car a little bit. But somebody will see an object... They'll have it in their mind, and that object is true, but now what they got to do is describe it in so many words until the person who's guessing what that object is can finally say, it's got to be a cow. It can't be anything else. You've given me so many evidences uh, that it has to be a cow. Uh, with the Lord's Churches, it's the same way. When you walk in the doors, you'll, you should be able to pick up things that there's evidences that they, that they follow the scriptures, that is their only rule of faith and practice. How do they tithe? Uh, how were they started? How do they baptize? What do they teach? And so all of these, these elements of the Lord's churches will start to compile and then it'll finally be, this has to be the Lord's church. It can't be anything else. But, and then with the churches that aren't the Lord's churches, you're not going to see some of those things. And it has n- nothing to do with traditionalism. It ha- you know, I could be raised a Catholic and think, well, this is what church ought to be. But if you compare it to the word of God, there's discrepancies. And it's not just, you know, like I said, it's not about traditionalism. Everybody has tradition. doesn't make it right. What makes it right? Well, the, the word of God. We have to measure it with the word of God. All right. The new birth is not the gospel. The new birth is regeneration. The new birth is subjective light. Subjective means you feel it. It's part of you. The gospel is objective light. It is a proclamation. It's an announcement to you. You must have the subjective light of regeneration before you can understand the objective light of the gospel. The gospel is not the new birth. The new birth is something you experience. The gospel is something Christ did for you. And so we see that the new birth is not the gospel. I have plenty of uh, scriptures to go with this, but I want to kind of go a little quicker. Repentance is not the gospel. And these two, faith is not the gospel. Repentance is required for all who believe, and so is faith. But you have too many people who believe that the salvation was in what they did. If you believe that salvation is in the strength of your faith, you're believing in your works saved you. Uh, Repentance is something that the child of God does, it's required, a sinner must do repentance. Um, Mark one fifteen. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Uh, so, the gospel and, re- and repentance differentiated in Mark one fifteen. Jesus says, repent ye and believe the gospel. So, they're, they're two separate things. With faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. So, saving faith is in the object of our faith. Not, we don't have faith in ourselves. Alright, so, Positively, well, let me, let me put it over here. All right, so the gospel is good news. We already established that. And it's good news about a person. It's good news about our Savior, right? It's good news... To bad people. The gospel is, we know that there are facts of the gospel, and that's another thing we have to remember. The gospel has facts. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, let me read here. Christ died for our sins, was buried, rose again, he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. But just knowing the facts itself does not save. Um, you, there must be an explanation of the facts. The gospel is also an explanation of the facts of the gospel. So the explanation is, in many, many places, but Romans uh, 5.8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the fact that Christ died, is, the fact is not enough. You must, it must be explained it was for you. There is the, that's the gospel that saves. Um, all right. Good, good, good. Because this is the part I kind of wanted to get to. All right. Is everybody okay if I erase this? You probably can't read it anyway, right? All right. So, what, what it does. First of all, the gospel does not make believers. Uh, Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. And I already kind of hinted at this earlier, so this will be just reinforced. Now, all of you all all know this. What we want to take away from this lesson is the facts that we're reading about the gospel for those who don't know this. They have the wrong idea about what the gospel is. Everybody in the society knows, has heard the gospel, has heard the name, believe the gospel, believe the gospel. Believe. But they don't know what it is. It could be a, a power, it could be an antidote, it could be a drug. Who, you know, Unless you explain what it is, uh, they're, they're not going to know what it is. Um, so in Romans chapter 1... What was it that Paul was not ashamed of? Verse 16, Romans chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So notice what the gospel is not. The gospel itself does not have the power to make believers. That's what that is. The gospel cannot make believers. The gospel presupposes there's already a believer listening to the gospel. God must make the change in our hearts. Like I said, it takes the subjective change in order to understand the objective change, the light, which God. It's the same thing with Lazarus. So God gives a command. The gospel is a command. Repent and believe. Repent, and have faith, repent, trust in the Lord. That is a command. I can have went up to Lazarus' grave and commanded him and commanded him, and he would have never obeyed the gospel. He would have never obeyed my command because he was dead. He couldn't respond to me. He couldn't respond to my words. What did Jesus do? Jesus had to give him the power to receive his command before Lazarus could ever obey. So Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And only because Jesus made him alive first could Lazarus obey the command. And so the gospel was the news. Come forth. The power was in God giving him the ability to come forth. And that is the gospel. He's, that's why Paul, he, he loved it. He, he says, you know, it's not in my ability to convince you. To be saved. It's not in my ability to convince you the the old covenant's old and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What I've got to do is I've got to give you those words. I've got to give you that call. And if God wakes you up and God regenerates you, you're going to hear. Uh, That's why these free will people say, well, you're, you're you know, those who believe in sovereign grace, you believe that God is saving you against your will. No, God is making you will to be saved. He's given you a will to do it. Uh, you know, it's, when God regenerates you, you still have your free will. But what do you want to do? Hand over, uh, what, head over heels? You do backflips, back jumps? Because you feel the, the flames of hell. You better believe you will to be saved. Because when God opens up your heart and your mind to, to perishing and destruction and the wrath of God, uh, I don't know about you all, but I couldn't get... To Christ fast enough. Um, so it was my will. But God had woken me up. He'd brought breath to dead man and brought life to bones. The gospel does not have the power in itself to make believers, it saves believers. Um, it is the power of God. So there is a difference between a means to faith which is the gospel, and the power for faith, which is the power of God's effectual call. The means to faith is the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus. That's the means to faith. The power of faith is by God. It has to be God's power. But gospel presentation is very important. Uh, So The word of God says, then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We want to repeat, the preaching of the gospel is necessary for faith. That's what the word of God says. How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And it may not just be preaching in the official way of preaching. You know, it could be the lifestyle witnessing. It could be the tracts. Uh, uh, brother, do we have any more of those, the gospel tracts? I think we probably need to order some more. Okay, well, that's fine. I probably do need to order some more. Um, if sinners are saved, the gospel must be preached to them as the means to faith and salvation as a result. Uh, you can lead a person to Christ with the word of God. It doesn't mean you have to have the Bible in your hand. You can have the word of God in your, your heart, in your mind. You can have it on a track. Uh, but it needs to be the gospel. Those are the words they need to hear. Uh, I can't say, you know what, My, uh, I went to the gas station and uh, got gas and oil, and then they believe the gospel. You know, it's just God may have been given them a heart to receive it. The power of God could have already been working on them, but the next, you know, at God's appointed time, they'll hear those words they need to hear of faith. And that's the thing: is a lot of people, you know, those who believe in eternal. Justification and what the I don't want to get into all that. I don't have time to get into all of that. Of course, we believe that you're justified eternally. Uh, eternal justifiers believe that in you don't have to come to repentance and faith to be saved. That's what they teach. Those are hard shell Calvinists. They believe that uh, that you don't have to have an invitation at church. You don't have to come to a decision. You don't have to repent of your sins and believe. That when Christ justified you, you were justified at the cross. Or you were justified eternally, sorry. When God made his decree, you were justified and you didn't have to go through the motions of repentance and faith. That's what they teach. And that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you must come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repent and believe. Rather, you are fully aware that that is your decision or God's power working in you. That can come later. That's not important what you think it is. What's important is what has God done for you and the fact that you have repented of your sins you've, with that godly sorrow. You've turned away from those sins, changed your mind about the sins which you've committed uh, that used to never cross your mind. Now you've changed your mind about them and you've turned to him in full faith and trust and you believe that he is coming again one day. Uh, that is the gospel. That is uh, what it does the gospel is about the truth about what Christ had to do and was willing and lovingly he did it. God had to put Jesus to death. God had to have a death for God's justice to be filled. God cannot be the justifier and there being unfinished business with my sin. God could not forgive me and be just if he had not dealt with my sin. And he has dealt with my sin and my substitute, Jesus Christ, who took the wrath of God upon him. He endured the equivalent eternal punishment that I would have had to have endured if I were to die in my sins and my payment was due. And everybody's payment will come due, but I really hope that Christ has already paid that payment for all those under the sound of my voice. But, um... That is the gospel, what it is not and what it is. And um, I know we went through it fast, but I pray that that was a blessing to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your study of your word. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. So rich and free and from your mercy, you saved us. Father, may we just be lighthouses as we leave this place. And may we, as Paul, not be ashamed Father, we know we may have scoffers or we may have those who hate us and reject it. But, Father, may we just continue in your word, and your work, and be faithful. Father, for that is the priorities of life, is to please you. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.